welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We're both property people running our own businesses. And this podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. And before we do get into the show, we are seeing numbers increasing in terms of listenership. So we just wanted to say a big thank you to all of those new listeners, as well as the existing ones. And if you are getting any value from the show, please do share it with somebody else. Just click that share button and get the message out there. Help us grow the show even further. On to the discussion of today. And so we're talking about the fun stuff of notice period, arrears, rent arrears, and what we do with sitting tenants. And you've actually got a sitting tenant that we talked about in the last episode. You you in the fortunate position of being able to get a purchaser for your property within a 10 days of getting it onto the market. But you mentioned to me, which I don't think I was aware of before, didn't realise that you had a, a tenant still in there. So you're going to have to, well, do what? That's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have mentioned that this is a, a let property and we were... This is just my memory that's failed on that one. Yep, definitely. I just thought I'd, I'd make sure I reinforced that fact. Yes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Like I needed reminding. I've got a bad memory. <laughs> Sorry, that that wasn't really the uh, the purpose of saying that. <laughs> um, we, we made the decision to to try and sell it with the tenant in place for several reasons, but mostly that we didn't want to miss the opportunity of people wanting to move out of London and into more open greener spaces which fits the property well and of course the stamp duty holiday which has helped get well I was going to say the property market moving but I think actually just releasing from lockdown helped get the property market moving a lot but I think the stamp duty holiday has helped put a little bit of extra deadline on that process so yeah and it's the sentiment it's positivity People yes. are thinking, okay, if we're going to move, now's the time to do it. That's 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 the ethos. It's kind of the fear of loss is driving people. Yes, to exactly. Yeah, and and we wanted to try and capitalise on on that this point in time. So we went ahead and put the property on the market. Of course, we couldn't officially serve notice to the tenant anyway. Uh, well, we could, but it would be a six month notice, so it probably wouldn't help with the the sale process unless we then waited for several months but we we went ahead put it on the market with tenant in place we have not served notice official notice for them and we have now sold the property and we have still not served official notice because the purchase process should take three-ish months as we mentioned in, in the last week's episode it might actually be a bit longer than that and we've been already warned to expect probably nearer four months at least but that's still a lot less than the six-month notice period we would have to give. So instead of falling back on sort of the official requirements of a contract, what we're actually doing is talking to our tenant. I know this is a, a strange idea to, to many, but... Scary. <laughs> but it can be done. And having open communications can actually um, work well. And our tenant, as it, it happens, is trying to buy a property themselves they've already found a property they're hoping to complete i believe in october november kind of time frame so this this fits fairly well and in return for us sort of saying 
we're selling the property as well. Hence, we really would like it if you could move out um, before it, it gets sold or before it gets completed. And can you be a bit flexible on on sort of not needing the, the full notice period and things? Uh, in return for them saying, yeah, that, that's, that's not ideal, but it's reasonable. Um, we, in turn, are saying you also don't need to give us the official two months notice period for for leaving when your your property can your your own purchase completes so can i just ask obviously on an ast is it in the are you just rolling is that on a rolling agreement at the moment yep they've been there quite a while it's on a rolling agreement yep there's no no fixed terms involved anymore and they've got a two month note notice period yep that's what's officially okay. in, in the contract i believe and and of course normally us as landlords would have a, a two month notice period as well but it's been increased due to the effect of COVID to, to six months at, at the current time for a, a Section 21 no-fault type. Yeah, that's that's the um, a typical time period. I mean, as as a tenant, we 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 have an agreement with our current landlord of, of three months, which is which is too many as a mm. for a tenant. But we agreed that at the start. I mean, I, I don't think it's unusual for the tenant side of the equation to just be one month notice. But I think quite often the the AST contract specifies two months. I've I've not heard a three month one um, before, so that is quite a long time. Mm. It's a, it's a, it's a bigger property, so I, I I do understand it from the landlord's perspective, wanting that amount of time. But uh, but anyway, yeah, harder to relet, so they they want to try and have a bit more notice so they can can do that mm. potentially. Mm. So yes, getting back to the the story, our, our tenant has has been lovely to talk to and. They understand the situation. They don't want to get in the way or be awkward or anything. And for for our part, we've said when you're ready to move out due to purchasing your own property, that's fine. You don't need to give us lots of notice. We'll, we'll be flexible on on ending the uh, rental agreement as and when it, it suits, really. And she has said that if if her purchase doesn't go ahead, She's willing to to look for alternative rental property instead, when as and when when we need that, and we'll try and sort of support and help that in in any way we can and on our our part to be flexible. And I think just through open communication and trying to be flexible and and help each other reach our, our mutual goals. No, not mutual. Our separate goals. Um, <laughs> we can um, well mutual that you both want potentially would want to leave at shorter notice with greater flexibility so mutually yes, in that yeah. respect yeah yes that's true yes <laughs> um uh, but yeah hopefully it will all work I'm out. just being kind just being kind to you. <laughs> of course this approach has quite a significant element of risk in so much as uh, if a tenant decided to to change their mind and be awkward later on they could uh, mess up our, our purchase process it is um it is it is a it is a good point because I, I I kind of live by those rules of where possible you know openness and transparency and what you, the example you're talking about I think is a great example of why that work why that would work I believe more often than not because you've been open and honest tenant feels like they know where they stand and fortuitously for you it turns out that they are in a similar situation in terms of actually they're already thinking about leaving i have to say and i probably talked about this in one of our earliest episodes but when i 
had just finished a property development and we had a tenant. She had signed a contract for either six months or a year, but um, she had she had signed a contract. I think it was six months and it was always going to be short term. And I said, you know, that I had been honest that we were going to sell the property. And I gave her more than two months. So I think the agreement, was, let's just say, was two months. But because she lived with, or the tenant lived with a child, I, I kind of thought, you know, if the shoe were on the other foot, I'd like to know what was going on. So three months in advance, I said, look, just so you're aware, I am going to sell the property. It was At that stage, it wasn't even on the market and we hadn't taken any action. I was just being open. I'd, I'd gone to see her and just sat down. Well, within sort of 48 hours, I had received from her notification that she was going to move out and she'd, she'd found somewhere else to live. Uh, at which point I kind of reminded her that she had said that she had signed an agreement and that although I'd shared some information with her, uh, that she was still bound to that agreement. But being a being a hopefully a more understanding landlord and, and appreciating which we came to an agreement where I, I did just let her go out of the agreement early. But I, I think it's just a warning for, for all landlords, investors that we've got to be mindful of those things. My, my lesson there was yes be open and transparent but maybe be a bit a bit more tentative if if i hadn't had things agreed maybe let's let's follow more of a notice period and not try and be too so yeah our tenant had sort of very early warning that we were thinking about putting the property on the market and then of course when we actually did decide to put the property on the market they were aware because estate agents were visiting and photographers were visiting and things but they did have much earlier notice than that, that we were thinking about it. And I think it's from that much earlier notice that they started their own processes of looking for somewhere to buy or, or thinking about moving on anyway. So, of course, if we put the property on the market and not found a buyer, we would probably still be looking at losing our tenant in the next few months, which, as you said, wouldn't be ideal because we hadn't given official notice we hadn't really said that they need to leave but i think that's just part of the risk we we have said that we are thinking about needing them to leave so they're they're going to start working along that that process and things and while it may not have been ideal if they'd left much earlier or if they'd left when we didn't have a buyer or indeed as it currently stands they're probably going to leave a few months before well a couple of months before the, the sale completes so it, it doesn't line up perfectly but i think that's just what you have to accept in in return for the the fact that you you can't serve notice officially in in mm. the current times and and have it fit with a, a sensible transaction process and, and in my humble opinion you you get to to walk down the street and look the world in the eye you haven't had to be you know you know uh, opaque about what you do you haven't had to go behind and and okay worst case scenario you could have that, had that conversation and you, you you had the same results as i did where they say well actually i don't really want to sit around well a they could have said i don't want to sit around waiting for you to do stuff i'm off or b try and get me out mr pither yeah right and i mean i suppose even if that had been the result at least we would have known so if they turned around and said no no, no way we're staying then we would have known, okay, we can't feasibly put this on the market and actually progress with a sale, except to another potential investor who would want to take on the, the tenant. Mm. 
which for this particular property isn't isn't realistic because of low low yield. But um, uh, but thankfully we have a lovely tenant and and they're they're willing to to work with us and be flexible and and we'll in turn be flexible with them and hopefully fingers crossed touch wood etc cetera, etc cetera, um it will it will all work out mm. but there there are risks it is still unknown we can't be sure and we don't have a, a a legal backing to to actually enforce anything so uh we will have to wait and see but i think open and honest communication is leading the way and, and will work out yeah and uh unfortunately for every several lovely tenants or handful of tenants there'll always be one that that isn't so lovely which which brings brings me on to to, to one of my tenants <laughs> which is still on the theme of notice periods because we talked about this previously on, on a previous podcast I, I have a tenant who let's just say has paid sporadically and on certain some occasions in fact on more than one occasion has paid five pounds less than the due rent don't ask don't 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 understand but needless to say i've let i've let those go <laughs> because life's way too short however following our discussion a few weeks back about notice periods we 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 we, we found out that if a tenant is six months in arrears so from our calculations, we just did a total, and that's kind of how I've approached it. Is if the tenant had owed greater than six months' value of rent, yes, I think I think that's the right way to calculate it. Yeah. Th- then the then the notice period could could be shorter. So that's I think that's good for everybody to know, for for landlords investors to know. But the the update on this one is that since then, so the tenant had been paying, based on the calculations I've done. They were two months and a bit behind. Since then, since that recording, there is now another month that hasn't been paid. And I'm being told that the pay will come towards the end of October. That combined with the fact that the tenant moved their rent payment date as well by two weeks means that they're always out out of kilter. So I thought this was interesting because this is a learning for me. Some of the learnings in property you don't want to get, but you get them anyway. And I've had a lot of those this year. Yeah, I uh, I live by the maxim: if if you're not uh, succeeding, you're learning. And I've done a hell of a lot, hell of a lot of learning on property this year. But I had a chat with my letting agent on this one because. I'd done my numbers on it. Following our conversation, I, I ran my numbers so that I was crystal clear, and I ran it past the letting agent, and he so he, he he agreed with with what he concurred, as, as he said, he concurred with what I said. So we were talking about options because the reason, if people remember, the reason I hadn't given this tenant notice was because I thought, given the current rules of the six months, that if I serve notice, then actually what 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 um impetus is there for a tenant to pay if if they are of that type let's just say mm-hmm. that if they're mm-hmm. of the type where they're paying sporadically anyway and you serve notice and you go they go well actually we, we we're getting moved out i'm not, i'm just not going to pay so that that i was reticent to do that and the letting agent said we should serve notice i said no let's not do that because we want to be clear and 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 I think that was now the right decision. Again, hindsight always twenty twenty. However, now that they are greater than two months behind, something I didn't know, 
And unfortunately, the, the tenant has lost another job. So we're talking about a, a very, in inverted commas, unlucky tenant. So <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. But because they're two months behind, we can now, re- and, and they've requested universal credit, we, we, as in the letting agent, can now request that payment directly from any payments. So that's kind of made me feel better. And just to be clear, obviously, it doesn't make me feel better that, that someone's losing a job or they have to apply for universal credit. However, given the situation we've been in for the last six to nine months with this particular tenant, it, you know, I've missed a number of months of, of rent. And as, as I'm sure a lot of us agree in property world, we are almost fronting up these payments. So I thought that was a good learning to share on the show for anyone that didn't know. Yeah. Have you looked at how how much that would be, what the level of universal credit rent support is for, for your area or that area? I haven't. The, the letting agent did. And um, without giving the number specifically, it's we would get about 80%. In, in fact, I can do the numbers in my head. It is 80%. We'll get 80% of the rent. That's not too bad, actually. It's better than nothing, isn't it? Yeah, Quite literally, right. better than nothing, <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, right. which, is, which is what we've been getting. How much tenant cooperation do you need to go through that process? So, I mean, I've I've heard of zero doing this process before, but I, I don't know what's actually involved. Ah, so you can just directly contact the the council. Well, I'm going to be completely honest on this one. I haven't done the reading on that. I've I, I do like usually to do the reading on it because obviously we are uh, we are we are the legal operators, and therefore we should know. However. I did review the part about the universal credit and the letting agent said, yeah, that's true. I can now contact. So I'm guessing, well, the fact that the letting agent has contacted the housing housing or the local council and he's had it confirmed that that can happen and that is now actually in train. I'm glad we're talking about this anonymously because I'm not sure how much of this the tenant knows at this point in time, but we are talking generically. So my understanding, without without having read any of this, and I'm happy to receive any feedback, but from from what the letting agent's done, he's already actioned it. So my understanding is, they they don't need it if you are if the tenant is is greater than two months in arrears, and you you can obviously you've obviously got to corroborate that. We can't just go and falsify or just tell someone anecdotally. There needs to be evidence of that. Do you know how it will be affected by them potentially finding another job? In what way? Well, as in, if I'm if I remember the history correctly, this tenant had a job, they lost that job for a while, then they found another job, and now I think you just said they they've lost that again. Your be- your memory is so much better than mine. You remember my own stories better than I can remember, but that is a, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take notes and study them every night. So. <laughs> in full. <laughs> um, the. So that that throughout that process, the universal credit will have been sort of an an on off, or an off on off, and now on again process. Mm. So presumably, when there's no universal credit, there would be no rent support. I, I, I don't know exactly how this works, or quite where the levels and cutoffs are. So this this may not be a, an all or nothing. Mm. But but do you know if they if they find a job next week whether you would have gone through this process for almost nothing and it will be be switched off again and then you have to start again later or 
Yeah, it's good questions. The short answer is I, I don't know. I haven't done the research on that. I would assume what what you've just said because, of course, if if you're not in need of universal credit, it's right and proper that you don't get it, and therefore we wouldn't get the uh, the subsidy, if you want to call it that, from from the government. However, from my perspective, any any potential avenue is better than what we've got at the moment because all we've mm. got at the moment are just you know hopes and dreams as opposed to to money in the bank and unfortunately this is this is something that's been going on for the best part of a year pre covid as well so the upshot is that although i was going to sell this property at some stage i may well just put this property up on the market not because of the issues actually because this property another conversation but this property is in a personal name and i'm kind of trying to move on properties in personal name and reduce cgt so trying to get that out this year as well. But this has kind of expedited that process. I just want to make it clear that I am going to sell the property, but not because of a, a ropey tenant, to be honest. It's it's one of those things that... Now that you're hoping to recoup some rent through Universal Credit, will you also be issuing a Section 21 to to let them know that, that you are going to want the property back from them? Or are you going to wait and see if the, the shortfall from Universal Credit gradually adds up to to six months so you can use that that shorter notice period or or are you just going to let it roll and and stick with with what you can get from from universal credit plus any tenant top-ups for the time being yeah the 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 our experience says the likelihood of getting topped up and repayment via tenant is the hopes are slim to zero and slim has left the building so i think that is not going to happen so i will be putting it on the property I'm sure the, the relevant parties aren't listening to this podcast. So that's, but I'll probably just take my time because we are, you know, it's we're we're in October at the time of this release, and then you know how many people are going to be looking. But I might just punt it pre Christmas. We'll see. Uh, to answer your question, um, I, I will wait uh, probably a few weeks just to see where we get to with the universal credit process before I serve the Section Twenty One. But as we've talked about at some length on this episode we're talking about six months either way so um it may well be that i just have to put a call into the tenant just as you have just to have that conversation and just say look you know just just you're aware we're going to put this on the market that's that's the rationale but my expectation and of not my hope my expectation is that that will precipitate the 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 sort of non-payment or severely reduced payment should the tenant get another job but i've i've now you know, uh, accepted that and will plan for that as we have done recently. Yeah, so it's sort of a, a wait and see strategy for a little bit, but you've got a, a couple of options in, in your back pocket ready to ready to roll. Yeah. Based on, on how that turns out. Mm. Yeah, but as we've talked about on a podcast in the, in the past, I think that the challenge for us is, of course, we all want people to be safe in their homes and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not going to go back into that again, but I think hopefully people are clear on our values and that we, we're not trying to kick people out in the streets but it is a challenge that we can't really get anyone out of a building till march 2021 even when previously we were legally allowed to do so and if we're on rolling contracts to bring this right back to the conversation at the start when you were talking about your two months is that really i should be in that situation i need to check the contract but this this person's had a, had a, had the ast for more than a couple of years 
So we should be in a situation where we shouldn't have to wait six months and it should be right and proper. And when I do get on my soapbox about this and, you know, I shared this with the letting agent, my challenge is that unfortunately, because of the circumstances of the tenant, she can no longer afford this property. It's a lovely property. It's, it's, I think we've talked about it before, you know, overlooks a park. It's a lovely Victorian period flat. It's, it's a stunning property. Unfortunately, she, the, the tenant should just find needs to find somewhere else that isn't that isn't this property but yeah and in normal times you would would give a couple of months notice and they'd um go back out to the rental market and find something that that was more appropriate for for them and, and reassess what they, what yeah. they can pay because as a tenant myself i can say quite clearly and i've had this conversation with with our landlord stroke landlady don't want to <laughs> put any don't out. away yep <laughs> And and the message back was quite clear, you know, and this was at the outset of COVID, was if I put out there, said, you know, we might have some challenges, well, the, the, the feedback actually was quite clear. Well, if you've got some challenges, you know what the rent is. So I was left in no uncertain terms. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in some ways, obviously, I'd have liked a softer response, but in, but in other ways, it's true. If I've, if I've decided to live somewhere, that is a cert- of a certain type and then should my personal circumstances change i would take that responsibility and then have to look elsewhere but anyway that's a that's a soapbox <laughs> so uh hoping not to push the soapbox too much further but what, what do you think of reports of of an expected tsunami of homelessness thanks to the courts reopening and landlords being horrible and evicting all their tenants <laughs> Well, I imagine it will make you click on a link and pick up a paper. That headline is probably my most succinct response to that. Uh, If you wanted me to expand on it more, I'd say given the administration and bureaucracy involved with that tsunami, I don't see it. I think there clearly will be. It's a bit like the pent up demand, really, that some people like yourself, like me. I mean, we're two examples although you have a positive experience, my example may be a negative one. And there will, of course, be people that, other people that can't afford to, to live where they're laying. But I, I just, I can't see the tsunami, not with the, not with all of the uh, financial stimulus that's been involved. I, I do think we are going to experience some turmoil in terms of the financial things, but financial projections and how people can support themselves. But yeah, what what are your views? I, I think they're very similar to to yours, really. Perhaps expanding a little on the the practical side of it, the courts haven't suddenly had extra staffing or extra buildings or anything like that. And in actual fact, they've had their capacity reduced because they uh, have to have fewer people in the buildings at a time. They have to have gaps between people and cleaning and things like this. And they're short on staff due to uh, effects of COVID on the other side. So just from a practical point of view, the throughput of the courts is still massively down on what you would expect in normal times. So yes, there may be uh, lots of people in in the process, sort of in the queue, waiting for an eviction to be processed or enforced by the courts. That doesn't mean it's going to happen in a short-term tsunami effect because 
there just isn't the court capacity. It will happen gradually. These yeah. cases are needing extra paperwork now before they can be reviewed by the court again. And then the court has to schedule them in and then parties respond. And then uh, they actually need to turn up at these hearings and things be heard and decisions made. It, this all takes time. It's it's not going to happen rapidly. It's not going to happen uh, in a in a big wave. It's going to happen gradually. And I saw one report of a, a a non-urgent. So this is this isn't an eviction. This is something. I think it might have been a overdue rent enforcement or or, or rent review or something. But it was a, a non-urgent case that had been referred to the courts by a, a landlord, and it's been scheduled for October twenty-one. Yeah. So. I mean, obviously, more urgent ones are being scheduled faster than that. But it just goes to show the courts are busy. They don't have the capacity. Things are going to take a long time to work out and sort their way through the system. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what I'm talking about when I talk about admin and bureaucracy. It's just the the actual operational elements of being able to do that. It's, it's, it's they're not just going to open up the doors and say, right, we're ready and we've got a lot of empty seats to run it so so that so that and that's good news and i also don't think that tenants and landlords are just gonna the tenants are just gonna pack up their bags and and go and live on the street i hope not and likewise unless it's the extreme cases that us as landlords we're not just gonna start kicking people out you know i just just don't see that that's gonna happen and i mean we don't legally we can't so no, indeed. And even when people do leave their properties, most people won't suddenly be homeless. They'll find another property. And yes, it might be a, a re-evaluation, a downgrade, perhaps so that it's something they can afford again, or where they couldn't afford their previous property. But um, yeah, they're not going to be homeless, most of them. Um, so yes, it's it's all, all a bit exaggerated on, on all sides uh, yeah. and from all angles. It's a bit clickbaity, but to, to... Based on that, let's put it as the title of our show. <laughs> that sounds like a perfect idea, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Homelessness arriving in uh, April 2021. Yes, tsunami of homelessness expected imminently. <laughs> yeah. oh, can you imagine? Oh dear, oh dear. Right. Well, on that happy note, um, it's time for us to finish up today. <laughs> do you want to uh, do the honours, Stuart? <laughs> yes. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to the show and listening to our chat. Do hope you're enjoying it. If you are, please do leave a rating or review or both if you're feeling that way inclined. We'd love for you to do that and for us to get the message out there. And thanks to all of the growing listeners that we've got. And for all of the show notes or anything interesting that we talk about on the show, we will leave notes in the show notes page. And you can also find those on thebusinessproperty.com. Until next time. <laughs>